Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with a post-NFL draft edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing pretty well. Yourself? I'm chilling, man. If uh, Travis, the best damn videographer <laughs> in the podcast game, is on top of his game this week, if it looks like I'm just kind of chilling and lounging, it's Lay because back. I got the short <laughs> chair this week. So, uh, yeah. You look Low relaxed, Yeah. I, if I look relaxed, it's because I'm having to sit this way to make sure I can fit in the camera and not be uncomfortable Literally for, laid uh, back. for an entire yeah. show. So, yes. Uh, other than that, Matt, I'm doing great. Uh, my daughter started walking last week. So, wow. oh, congrats. proud dad moment. We had a huge Dang. milestone. So, I'm doing wonderful. Rod, wow. I'll show you the video. I had a chance to show you the video. Yeah, oh, I want to see. We, that's that's when we awesome. Yeah, babies, like their faces, whenever they realize they're doing something like yeah. that, like starting to walk. Oh, it's awesome. the greatest thing it's in the world. It's amazing that man. you got it on video. That was you quick yeah. on the trigger. Is yeah. that you expected? Or how you no, 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 no. My, my wife's grandmother stayed with us last week because uh, my wife was in D.C. Yeah. on a school trip, So, which my wife missed us, so she was crushed about that. Oh. But, um, you know, my wife's grandmother, she's like, I'll get her walking. I'll get her walking. This was uh, Sunday. So Wednesday, <laughs> wow. Wednesday, she's okay. like, hey, get, she's like, hey, and everything. she's like, hey, get your phone ready. I got something to show you, so I'm filming. And she's like walking. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, Freaking That's out. That's crazy. So, yeah. Like teaching her how to ride a bike, basically. Like mom yeah. yeah. teaching her how to, taught her how to walk. Grandma, my wife's grandma. She's, she's been crazy. around the world. I, know, I, I, know, I did not know that was a thing. My I wife's assume, grandma's old school, man. I assume she's, you just kind of started when you started. I didn't know people nah. like to train, like she would like, wheels like refuse to let her cross. Like, nope, you're going to stand up and at least grab onto something and wow. not cross. So, yeah, it's, good uh, for moms, man. Yeah. That's how I quite like that. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, my wife's grandma. She's old school. A man who knows about old school stuff, new school stuff, because he is a renaissance man. I know. Not just baby to walk. Right. Not just at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, where you can hear him each and every day on the Rodcast for 103, but here on Longhorn Blitz, here's our lockdown corner on the show, Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American. Draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003 in the fourth round. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and here with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got us up back to Austin, Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. When he gets that T-ring back in, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member, a black card member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, Boom. Rod, uh, we talk about this. I know we got a lot of new listeners on the show, so thank everybody. However you listen to this show, you're getting a megaphone feed. You go to horns247.com on the drop-down menu and listen mm-hmm. to it that way. You're an Apple Podcast guy, Google Play. However you're getting it, we just appreciate it. Wherever you get it, by the way, make sure you leave us uh, a review and rate us. We would greatly appreciate it. Um but uh, we got a lot of new listeners, and thank you guys so much for listening and downloading. Uh, we've heard Rod tell these stories before, but it's always fun to everybody that hasn't listened before. Rod, I'll walk everybody through. You were a fourth-round draft choice, as I said, back in 2003 by yep. the New York football Giants. 123rd. Uh, 123 overall, and there's still a Giants blogger who thought the Giants should have taken Brandon Lloyd instead of Rod. He might have been right. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. He, Brandon Lloyd turned out to be a better player. There is a Giants you know. blogger who has rated Rod as one of the worst Giants draft picks <laughs> of the 2000s. So hey, to, you know what? Not after this draft. So, I, I'm, yeah, yes. I'll be bumped from the list, <laughs> blogger. Thank you, Daniel you Jones. <laughs> Daniel uh, Gettleman's um, going for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we forgot all about Rod being New York. Right. Thanks to Gettleman. Thank yep, you. Yep. Thank but you, it, Gettleman. But it ain't. all those bad drafts. We won't trade you for hot pe- pretzels or a hot dog <laughs> or a bag of donuts. So, At any rate, Rod, uh, when you get to – because correct if I'm wrong, your day, the draft was two days. It was first and third was one day, and then I think fourth through seven was the second day? Um, I believe that's yeah, how that's it was. Yeah. That, does that now sound right, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So you're sitting there just kind of chilling, waiting for the phone to ring. What To you, what happened? Well, I believe, if, you're, if I remember your story right, you didn't even get the phone call. You saw it on the screen first. I saw it on the screen first. It happens for a lot of guys because, I mean, it may be like a simultaneous thing or, uh, you know, somebody else may be calling you at the time and they're putting the picks in. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I saw it on the screen. I was basically sitting at home, and I expected my day, to, my name to be called the second day. I mean, a very, I didn't get a lot of uh, advice that said I was going to be taken in the first two rounds of the draft. It was third and later. It's pretty much all the uh, the counsel that I got and all the predictions that I got. So, you know, I knew it was going to be called probably that second day. So I'm just sitting around. And the worst part about the draft is sitting around watching. I always recommend do not sit around and watch the draft if you're expecting to be drafted. Like, it's it really is torture for you. It's just you mentally, know what I mean? mentally it is. And I know some guys like I like it because it's a chip on my shoulder seeing all the teams that pass mm-hmm. me up. To me, it, it was not good. It was not like it was not soup for the soul. You know what I mean? It just put you, put me mentally in a bad place. So I didn't like it. I want to enjoy the uh, the experience of my dreams coming true. And I don't think I really enjoyed it like I was supposed to. Because every was, 15 minutes you're just on a yeah, new like waiting. Yeah, you're just You ever see the draft parties of the guys who get drafted really late and they had the draft party and everybody around them is going crazy. And they're just kind of sitting there in this emotional, yeah. like just, just, you know, exhausted. Yeah, they're just, yeah, exactly. They just don't really know how to even process I it. I can speak from experience because I was at Deontay Foreman's draft party a couple yeah. of years ago, and especially because his prediction, it, we've talked about this with these Texas drafts. And the running kinda, backs, They've kind of yeah. been all over the place yeah. where, man, you can go anywhere from the second to the fifth. It's Amino. like, well, okay, yeah, Charles Amino, prime Amino. example. But especially at Deontay's where you're watching, yeah. you know, especially you had that run on running backs in the third round. It's yeah, like Alvin could. Kamara comes off the board. Yeah. Kareem Hunt comes off the board. It's like there's this run on backs, and you're like, man, you start looking at needs. It's like, well, who needs a running back? And I remember myself and uh, Deontay's dad, Derek, we were sitting there's a couple TVs in a couple different rooms, and then all of a sudden, Deontay's phone rings, and like some everybody starts screaming, "It's a Houston number! It's a Houston number!" So, two eight one. Yeah, and you know what? And, and, and then it's like everybody shut up! Everybody, everybody shut yeah, up! Yeah. So, and for me, yeah, I was I was actually in a room by myself um, when I got the call. Like I was in my room at home. And I think my dad was downstairs and my mom was downstairs. And my dad started yelling at me because he saw it on the screen. Oh, yeah. Then I got the phone call. <laughs> yeah. And then that's when everybody went crazy. Because like you, your just, hopes have been up yeah. this whole time and then you're waiting yeah. these 15 minutes. And then it's like you finally have to go to the bathroom or something. Yeah. And then somebody no, gets the just, call uh, while it was, you're yeah, in It there. was a surreal, weird experience. I just wouldn't recommend watching it. I mean, yeah, pay attention to it. Don't just, you know I mean, ignore it. Yeah. But I wouldn't sit there and obsess about it. Man, You're gonna if you're going to get drafted and you know you're going to get drafted, not for guys who go undrafted, that's just and you're like on the cut like a Gary Johnson, then that it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Like Gary Johnson watching drafts because he's got dra- he's got a draftable grade, I'm sure by at least half the teams out there. But it was going to be a late pick anyway, so for him watching it, it is a heart wrenching kind of thing to go mm-hmm. through. I knew I was going to be drafted. For guys who are in my position, I would recommend pay it. Like you know, what I mean, just make sure that you are informed about the draft. But man, you know, what I mean, hang out with your friends and your family and those who have been, you know, supporting you throughout yeah. this this entire adventure and enjoy their time and enjoy the fact that your dream is now about to come true and just start thinking about, all right, now how do I, you know, make this dream a per, a profession? How do I make it a career for myself? And you know, what I mean, like, yeah, I, I got, I think I got in a bad headspace about it, and I think that's, you know, don't watch the draft like oh, that. I'll tell, I'll tell you who yeah. took your advice, or who took your before you gave it out, took your advice. Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd was a guy that knew he was going to get picked somewhere. I'm get picked somewhere. Uh, and this is when he got the call from the Vikings when he went in the seventh round. I was in the backyard throwing the football, and all of a sudden, I got a phone call, and I looked, and it said Minnesota. I just said, "I'm about to get drafted." I said it so nonchalant that my friends were laughing, asking why I said it like that. There you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I'm about to get drafted. Hanging out with his friends, throwing the ball like that's what I would recommend. If I could do it all over again, I'd go do something simple, man. Like me and my boys would go, maybe we'd go bowling or something, and have the draft on. You know what I mean? Like I, I you know, what I mean, like it would be something else instead of just the whole experience revolves around us watching the draft and where I'm going to get drafted. Because in the end, it wasn't totally about me. Like, it was, it was in moms and pops was in on that and big bro was in on mm-hmm. that and best friends. Like, you know, that was part of a and, – and, and Sims and C-Red and my teammates. Like, that was an experience for everybody to share. So, yeah, I, I didn't like I didn't like my draft experience. So I'd recommend for the guys, you know, do it a little bit differently. Well, Rod, yeah. no matter where you get drafted, to hear your name called, you're always a part of it's history. A blessing. And blessing, two man. Texas guys are now a part of this 2019 draft for Congrats. forever and ever. Congrats, fellas. And you're the resident Houston Texans expert. Charles Amin, who's like, horn. he's family, man. Now, so, like, twice. And this is Super. really weird. And I didn't ask Charles or hear him. I don't know if he went to when Houston had their area workout mm-hmm. for area guys. I, gotta go, yeah. I don't know if he went. But if he did, that would be weird because that's kind of how Deontay Foreman got drafted a few years ago. He just showed up at the local kind of area workout and worked out, and they decided to go ahead and take him. And, Rod, I, I guess we talked about this there's a couple of different ways to look at There's a couple of different ways to look at it. 
I know you can get into the Texans D-line situation because there's a lot of buzz that they might just be content to let Jadavion Clowney walk after this mm-hmm. year. Um, so just kind of restocking the cupboard, just bodies along the defensive line trying to find something. But I think at that point, if you're the Texans, and I know because I'm a Cowboys fan, I found the Cowboys draft. The Cowboys did this with a couple of their picks. Yeah, they like that. If you get into the fifth round, and I don't know where the Texans had Charles Amena who graded, but if you've got a third or fourth round grade on a guy and you're picking in the fifth round, hell, at that point you might just say, well, let's just trust the board and take the best guy available. Um, and I don't know if he was that guy for the Texans or if it was partially yeah, me. Yeah, in the or fifth what. round he might have been. Yeah. Like in the fifth round because, it, listen, if it is not for the deepest D-line draft in the history of the NFL, arguably this past year, Charles Minow was probably a third-round pick and maybe even sneaks into the second round somewhere. Probably. Yeah. I think third, third round safely, yeah. Yeah. LJ Collier went in the first. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it can happen. Teams just fall in love with a guy, especially if he's a freak. He looks like a freak. And Charles Minow looks like a freak. You know what I mean? He's got long arms, and he's long and range. He reminds me of Simeon Rice, and he did work out for the Texans privately okay. before the draft. So I don't know if he went to, like, the, the, the regional workout they Probably had. Probably not. Him. I mean, Deontay was down the street, so it yeah. was just kind of like and so I think Armani was in the same yeah. workout. And trust so. me, you know, who, like, grew up in the Dallas area, but he was born in Houston? Is that yeah. is that what I heard? Something, and then went yeah, to Rowlett. So. Yeah, so, okay, so, yeah, all right. So I, I knew I heard something like that, that he, he at least had, like, family there or something like that. So. Yeah, I think e. that's a, it's a that. great value pick for the Texans. It, I, the Texans obviously are not sure if they want to marry Jadavion Clowney. If not, if, if they were sure about that, they'd have worked out a contract already because they know the parameters of that deal. Demarcus Lawrence has got his deal done. Uh, you just saw Frank Edwards sign a deal. Frank Clark, yeah. uh, Frank Clark sorry, Frank Edwards. Frank Clark signed a deal. Uh, you saw Trey Flowers sign a deal. So all those defensive ends, those pass rushers, we know where Jadavion Clowney is going to be slotted. He's not going to get paid more than Demarcus Lawrence. So I, think, I mean, I didn't think Frank Clark was going to get paid more than Demarcus Lawrence, but at least the, it's a, it's to your an, point, the market is set for Jadavion Exactly. Clowney. So they don't really, they don't want to make that deal with him right now. So they'd rather franchise him. He's upset about that. He won't sign the franchise tender, and he's threatening not to even play, take the Le'Veon Bell route potentially if they franchise him. So maybe that marriage is over. Yeah, they, There's some people saying they should trade Frank him. Clark. Well, yeah. and that's what I've heard. They said they're that, open to trading. I mean, they what a report is that they're open to trading. And then that there were multiple teams also interested, obviously, yeah. in him. That if some team had the hey, cap man, space you know for the sign and trade, the same way Frank Clark did. Whenever yeah. a minute who ended up there, I was like, oh, that's definitely what they're at least had that option. And if some team wants to do it, they do it this year. while he's still cheap? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they because they get maybe they can get it for and one year and then him. sign them to a, another. Just deal. like what Clark did. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, exactly. So because I think that Clark deal. On top of the deal that he has this year, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm 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 with you. I think the Texans may end up moving on from Jadavion Clowney, but only if they really like you know maybe the way Charles Minnie is working out. They still got Whitney Merciless too. I mean, they got mm-hmm. they got multiple pass rushers. They got JJ Watt, of course. Then they got Whitney Merciless. Then they got Clowney. They've drafted on that defensive line. They got Benardrick McKinney on that defensive front. I should say they drafted Benardrick McKinney in the linebacker spot. Zach Cunningham. So they're they're loaded on the front seven. They I'm not gonna say they can afford to lose Clowney. You need two bookend pass rushers. Look what the Cowboys did in getting Robert Quinn. You need somebody to complement that that war daddy you have. But you can go draft that guy. Hell, they probably should have. You know, this year they probably should try to trade Jadavion in this like draft and try to get draft picks so you can draft his replacement in this really deep D-line draft. And that's what I heard. That's what you should have tried to get another first-round pick with Jadavion, like Kansas City. When I heard they were doing that. Like like Seattle did. And I did hear that Clowney was one on day two. People were asking what would be the big name if there was going to be a trade. And they said, don't rule out Jadavion Clowney being moved. But that's the furthest you ever heard of it, is people just speculating that this would be a good move if they are at this point in their career because why not try to get something back for him if you're either hitting that tipping point of his last year or an upset version of him. Either way, that means he wouldn't be there for the next year. Yeah, but just like uh, it, it, you know, it it, it pushes Charles Amenahu's draft value down. It depresses the D line free market value. And the Kong Sue still out there. Mm. You know, Muhammad Wilkerson still out there. I mean, a lot of really yeah. good defensive uh, ends out there that people are just kind of looking over because this draft was so loaded. You know what I mean? So, Rod, let me ask you this with Charles Amenahu. We talked about maybe. His NFL rookie year is the redshirt year he didn't get at Texas, oh, where yeah, you can maybe stash him away a little. I mean, he'll make the 53. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not a guy that's active on the 46 every Sunday. So maybe he's a guy that's just, okay, let's let him get in the weight room, just get big, learn our system, and then yeah. year two, 
maybe he's ready to take off is Houston, from what you're saying, and you know the Texans' oh, yeah. the line depth that. more than I do. Is that a good spot they, for him to do that? Yeah, they have that luxury. They do. They have so many. They're so deep there on the defensive front that they have the luxury of just having a project, and and, and that's what he can become for them. Literally a project, mm-hmm. and they love the fact that you know he's versatile. Showed that at Texas. You know he can play. Uh, you know that. If you need him to play a 3-4 DN and you can stand him up, he can put his hand in the dirt. I mean, he's so versatile. That's what the Texans want. That's how they move Jadeveon Clowney around a lot. Not saying they're going to make him Jadeveon. They can't do that because Jadeveon's a physical freak of nature. But Charles Menno's got his own physical freakishness. And I think the Texans with Romeo Cornell, he knows how to use really, really uh, unique players like guy like Charles Menno. So I, I think he's in the perfect spot. Perfect spot for Charles Menno, man, no doubt. He's going to kill it there. Okay, so let's we talked about Chris Board a little bit ago. Let's talk about Chris Board in terms of his chances to make the Vikings roster. And Rod, the Minnesota Vikings, they love them some Texas DBs. Jerry yeah, Gray is the DBs coach there. Mm-hmm. They signed Duke <laughs> Thomas after his run in the AAF. We saw what Holton Hill did last year. And keep this in mind, Holton Hill suspended for the first four games PED. of the 19th season. Yeah. It's, it, I thought I it was going to be substance abuse. PED. Which is a little, yeah, it's Damn, a little different than what we thought. But if he isn't in the other listen. system, that actually might be okay. I get you're right. Maybe they're like, <laughs> he didn't make the same mistake. It's a different mistake. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but we know the Vikings, you know, Mike Zimmer, Jerry Gray, they, they, love, they love Texas DBs. Yeah, well, Zimmer likes D. Zimmer knows how to yeah. use DBs anyway. That's a good place to be. And of course, Jerry Gray it goes without saying. And, you know, we know the Vikings look with with Harrison Smith that they've got some veteran safeties and I know they drafted Chris Board as a corner but Rod you've talked about uh, and I think that's probably the path for Chris Board to have a sustained career in the league is to make that conversion to safety again it seems like a deal where you know, maybe he makes your 53. It's different for a defensive back because he can be a core special teams guy. We know Chris Boyd with the yeah. size-speed ratio could cover be a kicks, gunner. be a gunner, whatever. Yeah, exactly. be a hold-up guy on the gun to kick off. So, and honestly, Chris Boyd would be, based on service time, would be cheaper than even a guy like Duke Thomas, a veteran that's fighting to make the roster. This is true. So maybe Chris Boyd's <laughs> NFL dream is at the expense of Duke Thomas's continuing. We'll see how that mm. plays out in camp, but – Rod, do you like this pick for the Vikings to take Chris Boyd? Yeah, it's a good pick for him. And if you want to go so, go somewhere where it's possible you could be an experiment where they're trying to turn you into something and say they are looking at him to be, you know, those big in that big nickel packages that they play now in the NFL that are so popular where they play three safeties. But they're they're non traditional safety. That's what uh Quandre Diggs does with, you know, the with, with the Lions. Matt Patricia plays a lot of big nickel and he wants to utilize three different safety, but those guys have to be able to cover. That's the key. <laughs> All right, especially in a league that is spreading guys out and using mismatches, especially in the slot. And that, you know, Chris Boyd as a safety, you know, he can he can cover probably as good as most safeties, you know what I mean? And now as a corner, his coverage skills are a bit of a can be a liability at times especially when you're talking about playing with your back to the football. So I want to know how they're going to use him. I mean, and he could be a guy that just kind of manufactures depth for you. Maybe he's a guy that ends up playing a lot of different spots for you, and that's also something that NFL teams love. That's how they fall in love with guys who can manufacture depth, add value to the roster. So I don't, I don't know. I, we'll see what uh, they use Chris Boyce for. We don't really know. If they put him at corner, I think he, he, has, um, a, he has less of a chance to make that roster at corner. He has more of a chance to make the roster if they decide, all right, we're going to do more with him than Jim just be a cover corner. All right, we're going to use him in different ways because he is a really good football player. Right. I mean, that's why he's good at coming down against the run. He's really aggressive against the run. Even his bump and run at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. he's actually pretty good in bump and run well, technique. And Xavier Rhodes is a really good bump and run guy, and yeah. like, he can see those same type of skills exactly. as, as a tool to back that guy up and see what he turns into. Yeah, and they play a lot of that too in Minnesota. So, you know, and he, you know, Minnesota's got great safety play. Uh, yeah, so Harrison Smith. Yeah, exactly. So their corners can be, you know, opportunistic. So I, yeah, I'm, I just want to know how they're going to use him. His chances of making that squad, as anybody's chances of making a squad, are better the more he can do. Yeah, I and like he that he stuff. landed there. And whenever uh, I just Google because I didn't know about Holton Hill, and I just wanted to see, you know, what the story was on him. But the, this next sentence so after Holton Hill being suspended for performance enhancing drug p- policy, he said the Vikings had two players each sp- pinned with the suspension last year: linebacker Kentrell Brothers and wide receiver Caleb Jones. Oh, <laughs> so Caleb Jones. the Vikings back to back Longhorn PEDs: Caleb Gosh. Jones and Holton Hill in back to back seasons. Son of a gun. Caleb Jones. I was forgot Texas. about that guy. Caleb Jones was in Texas for one year. We really well, I know it just I mean, Texas fans. Texas fans it, it, the name. it made me laugh. Well, he's an, he's an Austinite too. Yeah, Austin. High. Austin High. Yeah. yeah. 
And his brother Zay Jones was at East Carolina and with the Is he still Bills. with Buffalo? Yeah, he's he actually put up some good numbers with stuff. Well, he had now. the deal was it last thing, off season, yeah. yeah. But I, then well that was cuz Caleb was going to jump out a window. And no, 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 that was that not, was Zay's deal. Yeah. I think that was Zay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Either way, that one, yeah. uh, he actually. I think Caleb was there. He was there. He but, produced very well uh, with yeah. Buffalo by the end of the year. Bought oh, okay. him in some daily there fantasy. Well, there you go. So, Rod, I mean, it's, I guess uh, it's safe to say Charles Amen, who's going to be on the 53 for Houston in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. No guarantee that Chris Boyd's going right. to make they, they I mean, they got talented DBs. Houghton Hill made it as an undrafted free agent, though. He's a priority free agent, undrafted right. free agent, but. You know, so it's a, there's a chance. And you know what? Even if he doesn't, I think they would put him on practice. So I think worst-case scenario for Chris Boyd, they put him on practice squad. Because right. he is a guy that's kind of a raw athlete. And, you know, one year – I mean, one off-season or training camp at corner, they're not going to be able to see enough. He's not going to get enough reps right. for them to get a really, really thorough evaluation. Of him. But, so again, practice squad. I, I just look at this Texas draft class, <laughs> especially those guys that were true seniors that were in that 2000, that 2015 recruiting class. Chris Boyd, Charles Menehu, P.J. Locke. Even Brecken Hager, guys played really before they should have. Uh, you know, well, Charlie they, had to. Yeah, exactly. They after were playing the purge, out of necessity, and after that's the purge and everything. That's the roster the, was depleted. That's the difference we talk about now with Tom Herman and, yeah. and Charlie Strong. Tom Herman's now playing freshman because okay, this guy's just better than everybody else. Kate Stern's just that damn good. Right, Deontay Ingram's that good. Uh, <laughs> and, and Vance Bedford even said, you know, they wanted a redshirt Charles Amenahu, but they didn't have anybody else D line wise. They could do what they wanted, so they had to play him. That's a great point. I mean, and we've talked about this uh, on the show plenty of times, so we don't want to talk too much of Charlie, but Charlie played more freshmen than any other coach in the history of Texas football. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, and I know it was like, well, when you think post about chart, it. post Mac. Yeah, well, not even post-Mac. He played way more than Mac. I mean, he set the re- – No, were, I'm saying post-Mac. I mean, he, oh, his guys, he's playing his, yes. his freshmen. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But he just play, he had to after, the, after you know, Mac, he's cleaning up the, the, the you know, program and then the purge where he – I don't know, what, what does it mean? 14 players something end up being dismissed. I, I like to forget. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> but either way, those it wasn't just those 14 players, but as we all know, they were vet. There were, a lot of those guys were like veterans. They were older guys. Now, they weren't all marquee guys that were starters, but they were going to be that, as you call that, talented depth on your roster. You know what you I mean? You start taking away a uh, Joe Bergeron, a Leroy Scott, yeah. uh, and, and which, a Jalen Overstreet. And what people don't understand is that's also the competition within the positions. You know what I mean? Like those guys who have been, they, they create the competition. You need the, that's how the young guys get better. Right. You know what I mean? That's how Caden Stearns is going to get better. That's how Keontae Ingram's going to get better. I need somebody over here, a vet, to challenge him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and bring out the best in that youngster. And all that plays a, a role. And it's, it, unfortunately for Charlie, man, it, it came back to haunt him, but it ended up helping Tom Herman because all right. those really, really young guys had a ton of reps and a ton of experience by the time Tom Herman came along in 2017, especially on the defensive side of the yeah, ball, because I mean, that's what Charlie knew. Yeah, we could get into this maybe this summer when we I know, we could get time, deeper but into it. it to yeah. me, the fundamental difference between Charlie Strong and Tom Herman is Tom Herman's been proactive in terms of, okay, here's what my roster's going to look like. Where do I need to plug holes with a JUCO guy? Go get a grad transfer. Right now, yeah. Something, yeah. And, and yeah. be proactive and go get that guy. So maybe you're not getting a, a priority target, but maybe you're getting – you know, somebody else, or it's looking, it's having the, the, the foresight to say, okay, we know in this recruiting class I need two guys that can be versatile enough to play running back or slot. Yeah. Or I need, you know, I need a, a safety corner. I need a guy who can be a, a three technique or a four. I, like, I need that. You need to recruit some versatility. Tom totally Herman's been much more forward thinking in terms of how he's building his roster. Yeah. Where it seemed like Charlie Strong was like, hell, just bring in talent. Just bring, just bring in these players. And, and look, this is the other thing I was going to talk about with this draft class, Rod. You look at where some of these guys were ranked and, and the fact that so who was drafted, who were priority free agents. You, The one thing you can give Charlie Strong, they did a hell of a job evaluating prospects, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I, well, I think the defensive side of the ball is key. What what ended up hurting Charlie Strong is that, and this goes back to Tom Herman and his vision that you, you talked about, um, you know, offensively, you know, two years ago, we we're talking about what a dumpster fire the offense is, and the offensive identity crisis exists at every position, especially quarterback. And now, that doesn't exist on the Forty Acres anymore. Right. He came in with a plan to fix that offense. I mean, it wasn't. You could tell a lot. You could almost detail it and go make a timeline how he came in and literally addressed every position and and seemed to be continuously upgrading it. And on defense for Charlie, I think his his um you know his his mentality of just bring in talent, we're gonna bring in talent, it materialized on defense because that's what he knows. He knows defense really well. 
But you've but, also talked too. Defenses where that's where you need players. You need talent. Exactly. You can't. There's no scheme that's going to uplift your play and make you a better defense. It just it doesn't exist really. I'm sorry. Like for the most part, if you're a good defense, you got talent on that defense. That's what's going on. Offensively, hell, man, you can have no NFL prospects on offense. And have the best offense in college football. It's it's happened before here in yep. the Big Twelve. All right. So I think for for Charlie. When the when the Big Twelve started, you know, throwing them haymakers at him, mm-hmm. when all these great offense, I mean, he was in there with Browse and think about how good that offense was in the Big Twelve when Charlie had to reinvent the program and go up against it. It was the air, it was the air raid offense. Lincoln Riley comes into the league. Lincoln Riley comes into the league. You got Dana Hogerson over there, Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. He's a scrub at yep. Texas Tech. You know what I mean? Like what? I mean, Charlie couldn't handle it, and no matter how much talent he put on that defense, dude, it wasn't. You couldn't do anything about it. And, and, and even Todd Orlando, with all that NFL talent he had on that defense, we saw him take a couple, a couple of haymakers. Yeah. And he's, a, he's one of the best defensive minds in the country. So it is the conference to a certain extent. You've got to fix that offense. And Charlie didn't prioritize that. Playing great defense, it only gets you so far. Exactly. That's Gary Patterson in the Big 12. Gary Patterson, he acquiesced. That's one point he was like, all right, well, hell, I, I'm a great defensive mind, but I got to go hire me an air raid guy. We got to score. We got to score some points. <laughs> I'm losing games. And we're, you know what I mean? I'm, hold, be great I'm, holding defense. To, yeah, I'm, hold, I'm holding guys to like, you know, 28 points, and we're losing games. Oh, we got to score points. So I think Charlie didn't recognize that quickly enough. Right. Tom Herman's like, oh, yeah. Well, but he's an offensive guy, so it helps him. But he, he's got his – He's got his soulmate, his his counterpart in Todd Orlando. But if you look at Charlie, never had that in an offensive guy. No. Never. Right. You start looking at defensive personnel, though, Rod, and you start looking at how many of those guys in the 2015 class were kind of like value three star guys: with Charles Menehu, PJ Locke, and Brecken Hager. And to develop those guys to where some of them are draft picks, some of them are priority free agents. I don't know that you. I don't know that Texas, especially Tom Herman, since those guys got their last two years with this regime, I don't know that they're getting enough credit for how you've gotten the absolute most. Like, I think you can say they probably got the most they could out of Brecken Hager. Yeah. They yeah. got the most they could out of P.J. Locke. Yeah. They ended up getting the most out of Charles Amenhu. You can look on this defense in 2019 and say, you're probably going to end up getting the most out of Malcolm Roach. Gary John- they got the most out of a guy like Gary Johnson. They got Malik Jefferson and Deshaun Elliott to leave Texas having played their best football. Yeah, every, every well, that's one of the trends for Todd Orlando. If you go back and look under Todd Orlando, mo- and he's and it's easy to track because he's only had you know two year stops at every place other than UConn going back to 2010. Every play, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm, I would say close to 80 to 90 percent of the players who ended up getting drafted or becoming free agents in the league had their best years under Todd Orlando. Yeah, and I'm their schools it, had their best production yeah. ever. UConn did stuff on with their yeah. defensive players they had never, never done been before. Done. Yeah. Exactly. Go, at, go look at U of H. Go look at the mm-hmm. Utah State. The high-level guys, the guys who actually have an NFL ceiling or can be an NFL prospect, had their best years on Orlando. And that even is for the you know the guys at U of H. When he leaves and they have great years as sophomores, they're not as good mm-hmm. after he leaves uh, in a new Last, system. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really, really interesting. I mean, I'll probably go track it over the offseason. When I really when I get bored, but I started that that research and it's true. And here it we you can see it real time. Like no, they, all those guys had their best years under Orlando. We watch yeah. these guys. Holden Hill, if he doesn't end up getting you know suspended, yeah. hell, Holden Hill's probably a first team All American corner. <laughs> he, he was on that kind of pace. He was a second second third round talent. Easily. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. he was. I'm talking about like should have been drafted. Yeah, no doubt. But he, you know, obviously things happen. You know, Malik Jefferson, I remember the questions about him, but Orlando was able to get the best out of him. You know, Puna Ford Gary ended up Johnson. becoming a force of nature. Yeah, I mean, all these guys. And we had seen them grow up and play before, but Todd Orlando weaponizes players, and he did it with Brecken Hager for a while, and um, P.J. Locke, I think, is another guy, too. So I agree with you. And once he left Houston, I mean, I was sort of surprised only because I never paid attention to the criticism around Houston's program post-Herman. But then hearing the NFL people talk about what they were doing with Ed Oliver in that defense the last two years yeah. compared to what he was with that baseline right at the first beginning of his career at Houston, I was surprised to hear how bad, I guess, it had gotten there post-Orlando. Yeah. But I'm just I'm going back and look at the 2015 recruiting class. You look at the 20. 24-7 sports composite rankings and where some of these guys rank. Three-star prospect, number 426 overall in the country, that was Connor Williams. Number 430 overall, three-star prospect, that was Charles Amenahu. Three of your five lowest-rated qualifying signees in that 2015 class, P.J. Locke, Brecken Hager, Michael Dixon. 
That's what we've Long been asking for for a decade. If you can go and get those two stars and three stars and four yeah. stars to produce at that level of a college contributor or NFL starter, then you have your big – you aren't going to miss on those five stars. And that's what we saw when we talked about those bust rates and those great classes yeah. from 02 to 05 and what was the difference makers. And it was maximizing the low-end guys because those top-end guys – and not everybody's going to be wrong on them. I'm glad you mentioned bust rate, Matt, because I need to – because as – you know – you're gonna update your well, notebook. Yeah, you're, zip, I'm gonna, you're unzipping stuff right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Well, I'm gonna have to update it because you know we've got pretty much. Oh yeah. The exactly. only guys that are gonna be on this roster uh, in 2019 from the 2015 class that still have eligibility are John Burton, Kirk Johnson, and I don't think it's pretty safe to say we would be surprised if either one of those guys got drafted. I mean, they would have yeah. to have surprisingly yeah. monster years. Okay. At least but you've had one contributor. This this 2015 class. It, was, it produced six draft picks. Yeah. And I got to go back and find the last Texas class. Excuse me, everybody watching or listening to this. I got to go back and find the last time a Texas class produced that many draft picks. Uh, you're looking at. It means a ways back yeah, if you're but continuing to flip pages. All of those. Uh, but was it, if it's, was it, you said six, or, six yeah. draft picks? From one recruiting class. From one class. recruiting class. But what, five of those are on defense, right? Yeah, four on defense and one special team. Well, you four defense, one specialist, one offense. Yeah, so, but at least six I mean, is getting to I a think, good number. I think you could be dealing with an aberration too when this Charlie Strong and mm-hmm. like we just it's talked about, freshman. he's just really good at evaluating talent. And all those guys played early, so they mm-hmm. had a chance to put a lot of film out there, a ton of film. Think about how much film those guys put out there. Name those guys again: Connor Williams, true freshman starting, mm-hmm. Malik Jefferson. True freshman story. Deshaun Elliott. Deshaun, Deshaun Elliott. Elliott's the only one that, that that group that really didn't. Yeah, you're right. Deshaun Elliott took a little while. He got he some. Like, he was a like big two time games recruit. that year or something. Michael Late. Dixon. Michael Dixon. <laughs> yeah, Charles Minahu. Holton Hill wasn't in that group. No, because Holton Hill wasn't drafted. He wasn't drafted, but he's in that yeah. class. Well, oh, see, yeah. that's where it's yeah. a very, very yeah. good class. And that's class. when the, the, the free agent, well, obviously, and we that's talked where, like, about Texas's that. But lack of success is an issue. I mean, go look at this class, this class of undrafted free agents, though. I'm not joking. Very it's good. got a chance to rival that 2014 class of oh, undrafted yeah. free agents. Gary look at Johnson, now, Calvin Gary Anderson. Johnson going to the Chiefs, Lou Jordan Humphrey to the Saints, Andrew Beck and Calvin Anderson to the Patriots. Chris Nelson to the Steelers, Patrick Vahey to the Ravens, Devontae Davis to the Seahawks, Anthony Wheeler to go. the Cardinals, and, uh, Brecken Hager to the Giants, Elijah Rodriguez to the Saints, too, right. and P.J. Locke to the Steelers. Man, that's a lot of opportunity. What is yeah. that? And look at those Ten roots, guys? though, And man. there's only, I believe, Rodriguez, Vahey, and Wheeler. I believe those are the only 11. three. I believe those are the only three that are like rookie camp tryout deals. Everybody else. Got legitimate like a priority free, free agent, agent contract, and yeah. this was one when yeah. I saw this list. Of Only the offensive linemen didn't get. Oh, uh, would that have been well? The two linemen and Wheeler, yeah, two linemen and Wheeler. Okay, but like yeah. when you saw these names starting to feed out, it almost fit like say what would be a script. It was like, okay, where does Gary Johnson go? Oh, the place where the organization that drafted DJ. Where does Chris Nelson go? Uh, he goes to the play organization that drafted Casey uh, Hampton. You look at uh, the Patriots. Well, what would they need? Oh, a good, smart, rice left tackle or a guy that's, say, a good hybrid, you know, blocking, tight end, pass-catching threat. That's Andrew Beck. And then even Devontae Davis. Oh, well, what were we saying? He was the yeah. next mold of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you just look across the board. It almost fits, like, exactly where you would have thought. And then, of course, little Jordan going to the Saints and where he could be just a perfect piece for Breeze to have a target, one of those big rangy guys that we talk about that are those pass-catching hybrid wide receiver tight ends. The last recruiting class Texas had, this is just kind of weird to show you kind of what the anomaly is in this decade, this 2015 class is. Yeah. You know the last class Texas had before this that produced six draft picks? At least six. How many? How about the 2005 recruiting class? And that's what Colt McCoy, Roy Miller, Henry Melton, Roderick McElroy, Jamal Charles, Jermichael Finley. Well, look how much more balance. To your point, Rod, how much balance you got in that class. That's quarterback, D-line, running back, tight end, linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, that was Texas still in their their heyday. Well, not 
in the, in the prime of their heyday, actually. So, yeah, I, I wonder if this That is, was pound for pound Mac Brown's best. And that was the class, class. though, yeah. where we talked in about him. Of, yeah, in terms of bust rate and NFL Maximizing low-end yes. recruits. No doubt. And that's yes. sort of where at least it's sort of— And that was a of, small recruiting class, was it not? 15 yeah. signees yeah, and only—and your bust rate was only 20%. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a small—so you had to hit on them, too. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't like you could—you just got in a lot of them, right. and it was—no, you had, you had to get into the quality of that. And I mean, look, you talk about Colt McCoy, Roy Miller. Like I said, Roderick McElroy, Jamal Charles. You're talking about guys that played a long time in the NFL. They were captains or they were all Americans. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that's so I, I'm not saying Charlie's class is, you know, uh, man, that's that's not it's it's something that's not real. It's a fugazi, a fugazi. But I do wonder if it's an aberration because it's so lopsided defensively in the Big Twelve, which is a offensive oriented league. Like it's you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, at least it's, a, it's, it's good, but it's it is not good, where you but want it's weird. To, yeah. The the NFL doesn't even respect de- uh, defense in the Big Twelve. They literally don't respect it, right. except like, for I'm, Texas. You know though. what I mean? <laughs> like no, no, the, they the respect talent. certain coaches. That's why Gary Patterson, I think, can get a defensive player drafted that mm-hmm. nobody expects in the first round. In the Big Twelve, had any other defensive players drafted in the first round? Oh no. No, right? No, Kyler, it was Kyler Murray, Hollywood Brown, okay. uh, and I believe L.J. Collier were the three. Okay. Yeah. So um, it speaks yeah. volumes to so Texas I think to get players. I think it's a respect for well, him. And, and that's where it speaks yeah, volumes, I mean. though, also to Texas, that if inside that type of a culture, you still are viewed as a place where the NFL is going to go and get talent. So that's sort of a good oh, yeah, thing to no have. Doubt. Oh, the Big 12 has talent. I mean, that's why I, I've I tracked the on undrafted defense, free though. agents on defense in the NFL. No. Yeah, value. Yeah, the NFL. I bet they have a lot of undrafted free Holton agents. Hills, Big Twelve does in, 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 on defense in yeah. the NFL, but they just didn't be like they didn't feel like they were draftable because that's yeah. about value, and they don't see the NFL. The NFL doesn't see Big Twelve defense as having value. It's delegitimized. De- de- yeah, I know Oklahoma State's had some guys over the years. Yeah, it's, it's like Texas is the only the Big Twelve defense of lineman of the year last year was undrafted people. <laughs> <laughs> he, went on, he was the defensive alignment of the year in the yeah. conference. And he dominated once the, he got in there. And the guy this year was fifth-round pick, all right? Like, they don't really respect defense in the Big 12. They, Man, they love Puna up in Seattle. <laughs> they, they call love they, He has his own fan base, the Puna Hive. And does he really? Yes. I believe that. <laughs> now, you take Tony Jefferson from Oklahoma as a perfect example, Rod. He's yeah. carved out a nice career for himself. He was oh, undrafted. Yeah. Good player. Was he with the Cardinals now? Cardinals, or Ravens? he's with the Ravens now. Ravens now. Yeah, oh, Ravens Cardinals for a while. Oh, a Sooner and a Longhorn are the two safeties there? Yeah. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. No, Longhorn fans wouldn't like that. But There's I, a lot of them. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I think this free agent class is going to be good. I, my two top ones to stick, I'm going to still go with Gary. Well, now, of course, Gary Johnson. He's my top guy. Lou Jordan Humphrey, and I agree with Matt. I and he landed it. in a perfect spot because you're talking <laughs> about a, a offensive mind that utilizes unique skills, right, like or skill sets like Alvin Kamara. Taysom Hill, and he loves guys that are kind of these unicorns yeah, these. where they're just matchup nightmares. Mm-hmm. He loves these hybrids and physical freaks. Everybody else shies away from him. He's like, no, no, no. That guy, ooh, I'm going to get him matched up on somebody, and he's going to be a nightmare. So for a guy like Lil Jordan Humphrey, ideally I would like him to get like a, a, a just one year in a practice squad with the Saints and then just kind of see if there's a role he can mimic within that offense. But I wouldn't doubt if if Sean Payton falls in love with him and makes a role for him like he did a Taysom Hill or like he did an Alvin Kamara. I know that sounds crazy. Like, man, that's really me thinking really highly of Lil Jordan Humphrey. Yeah. But I think once they see him in a training camp, they'll see what we saw and go, oh, oh. just put him in the slot yeah. as a flex tight end and let him work. Did you, you know see I mean? that at the end of the playoffs, I mean, when they had Dan Arnold, Josh Hill, and Garrett Griffin, who had been cut from the Texans, yes. and those three the guys literally moved the ball up because, yeah. I mean, you're going to attract all your attention to the other guys. Well, Breeze is going to be able to yeah. find the fourth and fifth option that's six foot six and it plays above a plane. Yeah, right. And that's literally th- right now, Lil Jordan Humphrey, he is way more athletic than what I saw from Josh Hill and Dan Arnold last year. And those guys were very serviceable and were there one or the other was on the field almost every play for the Saints but Rod you know this just kind of goes back to where the program is and I know you know a lot of people had fun kind of poking the bear at Texas over the weekend like oh Texas only had two guys drafted blah blah well either you're just lazy and didn't do your homework or you're just content to try to poke the bear and come up with the hot take and yeah there's a reason for it there's a reason yeah but when you start looking at the undrafted free agents that Texas has put out in recent years, Rod, you've talked about yeah. it. I've talked about it. I mean, Texas has kind of become a gold mine. I mean, you start going down the list. No school in the country, and this is like I'm not going to brag about this, but no, it's not a, me bragging. No school in the country is producing undrafted free agents at the rate that Texas is right <laughs> now. That are making rosters. 
And that is because we're one of the only blue bloods who is failing to develop our high-end talent. Yes. Right. <laughs> Hence uh, that report or whatever Chris yes. Hummer did with oh, those numbers last week. I love that report from 247 Sports. Yeah, we talked about it last week. 2010, 2014, Texas yeah, only the, the developed 10% study. of their four- and five-star players into being drafted. Of their top NFL 247 prospects. guys, yeah. Thir- 38. And it's the it's, that's the worst, by the way, of all the blue bloods, yeah. and probably the worst of all the power five. Power fives that of get the twenty em. of the twenty nine ranked, Texas was twenty ninth. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the worst blue blood in terms of producing their uh, gen, maximizing their NFL talent. Hence, three coaches in five years. And there's a there different way to look. There, there's there's two sides to that though. Uh, you can it look is. at draft picks, uh, but I also look at guys like like I just mentioned with a Charles Amenahu, uh with a guy like Connor Williams who was a value three star mm-hmm. guy. This program actually has done a really good job, even during the Charlie Strong era, of getting the most out of guys that you probably on signing day, you're like, okay, maybe he's a starter or whatever. In Connor Williams' case, it was, I knew we just underranked him and probably should have ranked him higher than we yeah. did. But it's taking these guys that on, on a national recruiting list, you're like, okay, that guy's a top 400, top 500 type guy, and getting them. To their ceiling, Deontay Foreman, I think, was the second lowest rated guy in the in the twenty fourteen no, class. Yeah, yeah, he was a, I mean, you he was a say, throw in with Armani. I was gonna say, yeah, I remember people saying he, he was just yeah. 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 yeah well, I'll take that throw <laughs> in, a, Doke yeah. Walker Award hey, winner every single year. And man. that's the main thing with Texas. We're so frustrated at the end of the MAC era was the evaluation process really seemed just sort of not evolved with the times because you had I mean two decades spanning and things were much different and we that's what caused me to start that bus rate stuff and looking at these things yeah. in 07, 08, 09 was the t- just sort of laying that foundation of mediocrity so then if you continue to not have anything until like 11, 12 is when you get that Quandre and Jackson as young players and that was sort yeah. of the last hurrah from Mac, and like it was a really good try a chance with yeah, a new Jordan staff, and, and you started that, to yeah. see a little revitalization, but you didn't win. And then we've just been dealing with no continuity since then. So it's finally now you're getting some of those guys that were the diamonds in the rough that you actually are able to evaluate and see something in, or you come in and develop them. And now you're starting to see that become like the standard. And if you can have that fill your whole 85 roster. And don't have these holes or attrition from one coach leaving or from trouble and all these other things that we brought out that a lot of the things that make these guys be undrafted free agents, yet they're still the talent because you're Texas. And that's what makes you so happy to be a Texas fan because you know Texas is going to get the talent. You just have to actually produce some winning on the field with it. Yeah, and Rod, I want to get back to your point real quick earlier about this program being lopsided the number of NFL guys it produces on defense. You realize we've had nine seasons in this current decade, okay. nine drafts. Do you know how many offensive guys have been drafted? Oh, this is a good question. Okay, uh, how many guy? How many guys on offense have been drafted? You're one off. With, huh? You're one off. Really? Four. I got okay. I got Swaim. I got Connor Williams. I got Marquise Goodwin. Who am I missing? Deontay Foreman. Deontay, I got missed. We just said that we just talked about. I'm just him. too close to him. Yeah. yeah. Damn, that's it. Yeah, but wow. when you start running down the priority free agents, guys yeah. that have stuck around, that guys that yeah. have made a, a, they spent at least one year on a practice squad or, or made more of their career. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Warren, who Chris Warren had just a weird ending to his. Senior year, but a here. physical freak, right? Tyrone right. Swoop's position changed. Kent mm-hmm. Perkins, Rose he's Rangers. stuck with the Bengals for a couple of years yeah, now. Uh, Donald Hawkins was on a few different yeah, teams. Marcus Johnson has a Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. Jackson Shipley hung around the league. Mm-hmm. Trey Hopkins, I believe, still on the uh, on yeah. the roster for yeah. the Bengals. So you start looking at some of these guys that have been again yeah. priority Gilbert free agents. Uh, Quan Cosby <laughs> falls into that category. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to find. David Snow was a guy that hung around the league. Yeah. Uh, for a while, James Kirkendall did. Uh, Kyle yeah. Hicks has a Super Bowl ring with the Patriots. Fozzie Whitaker. Uh, I believe it's Fozzie still in the league or transitioning. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was might still be with transitioning. He was last year. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he might be because he's doing more like uh, and LHN then you stuff get into like Quan Cosby. Yeah, Quan stuck around the league for a few years after not getting drafted. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it, to back to your point, Malcolm Brown's a guy I didn't yeah. mention on there. But it's like all this talent on offense, it's not getting developed in Texas. The NFL yeah. saying, you know what, let me take a chance on this guy. And then for the Rams, I mean, think about this with the Rams with Malcolm Brown, as good as uh, Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson was. 
Malcolm Brown signs an offer sheet with the Lions. The mm-hmm. Rams think enough of him. Even, oh, yeah. Rod, you know their salary cap numbers aren't great. Oh, yeah. they, the they're room devoting they a lot of money to running backs yeah. in a league where you're not supposed to. They matched, <laughs> they matched the Lions offer to Malcolm <laughs> yeah. Brown and brought yeah. him back on they a pretty did. nice deal. No, that, I think because they've realized, man, if Todd Gurley is not going to work out, he's going to get hurt again this year, we'd rather have Malcolm Brown than even, what was it, C.J. C.J. Anderson? Anderson. Yeah. Well, and then, had, I mean, had, they've hit on all their draft picks that have been able to go and spend a superfluous yeah. amount of money, and now with Sue not coming back, you have a lot of caps. Had, Mal- had, had Malcolm Brown not gotten hurt last year, I was at a. I, I ended up so running. Well. I was at a Christmas party with some mutual friends and ended up running to somebody who's a big Rams fan. And he's talking about, you know, had Malcolm Brown not gotten hurt, like I think he's gonna get. I think he would make a big playoff run here. Like the Rams are really gonna miss him. And then I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe this guy's just talking nah, to him because he knows I cover Texas. But then you start looking at C.J. Anderson. You're like, man, that that would have been Malcolm Brown. That would have been Malcolm Brown. Well, and, and all been season long. Malcolm Brown would have been better than season And yeah. he was taking snaps away from Gurley all season just because he, they knew that you can't well, just wanted, ground, yeah. exactly, was, grind him, him away. That. But he actually, also yeah. was earning them, like, you know, at one point at Gurley's career, and probably learned it early the year before because he dealt with injuries. But whenever you're able to go and get onto the field with a player that is that elite, you know, Malcolm Brown was an afterthought that just sort of grounded out and earned his way there. No, it, it, basically all that comes down to is the offensive identity crisis that Texas has It has hindered those guys' ability to maximize their, their draft value and to raise their draft value. So they don't, they don't get, like Marquise Goodwin is a prime example. I always say Marquise Goodwin should have been a first-round type talent. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, was a, he was a physical freak and went to the combine around with like a 4-2 or something like yeah. that. And where did he go, the second or the third round? Second, third, the Buffalo. Third round? Third. Man, that, that guy should have been a Belitnikoff Award finalist at and least. Now he's with your boy Shannon and a really big part of what they're doing. Oh, yeah, because yeah, my point was Texas couldn't they they couldn't weaponize him well enough. The and ball wasn't on the right hash mark, right? Exactly. So <laughs> when you have the offensive identity crisis, I think it, that's what you have that sliding scale uh, of development mm-hmm. or lack thereof. And I think all those guys on offense, they're the ones who had to pay the price for it. But you see, there's there's been talent here at Texas. It the talent pool didn't. It it didn't stop. It didn't it didn't decrease. Mm-hmm, it wasn't right. de- depleted. It wasn't you know diminished. No, we stopped developing the talent that was coming, and in. we didn't have that's the force. what happened. Yes, and that, it, that, now the numbers all say that. So if you're saying like, well, Texas just wasn't recruiting talent, well then you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, and Texas, Texas didn't was understand in football. Tons of talent. And at the <laughs> time, wasn't it, developing Mac. I'm so, I loved Mac back then, but I I wanted him in my wedding, but not the coach of my football team. Not and, right now, and because still, and I and I wouldn't say that now because now Mac has learned. Now go look at Mac Savvy yeah. now. Mac admitted, like, you know, I learned a lot when I was sitting back on the sidelines interviewing people, and now he's a much savvier coach. I think now he's, he's taking more chances. He's more innovative, and and now I think more creative on offense. All that stuff. Have, I, have I shared this? Have I shared this? I don't know I'm going to cut oh, you off, good. Rob, but this is backs up your point about Mac, and I don't want to turn this into a Mac Brown podcast, but um, I, I think it was Mac's second year out. I saw him at the Alamo Bowl. Hmm. Uh, the Oregon TCU Alamo Bowl. Yeah. And it was just kind of a brief. We just kind of caught up for two seconds. Uh, and he was working the game. Yeah, I think he was doing ESPN radio maybe. Okay. Uh, and John Mandani was there because John does yeah, work yeah. with ESPN radio. And we started talking about Mac. He's like, Jeff, I'm telling you, he's like, I don't think he's done because I see him going around and talking to these coaches mm-hmm. and he's making notes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if he's putting a staff together. He's really trying to figure out kind of where this thing is going, yep. what he did wrong. He's like, I'm not going to be shocked at all yeah. if in a year or two Mac Brown's back coaching. He, he needed that. Yeah, he, he needed, that. like, literally, yeah. look at that tipping point of he whenever, needed. like, because you bringing up Marquise Goodwin made me think of that 09 his freshman year when he had a good quarterback with Colt McCoy. But just the vision of Texas football at that point and the decision that really severed the end of that era. And it was just not going where you football see football going. going. <laughs> and, like, I mean, because literally it blows way. my mind that Garrett way. Gilbert's backing up ba- Baker Mayfield <laughs> now in way. Cleveland. And, like, you had Marquise <laughs> Goodwin in. I mean, all you had to do, you look at Garrett Gilbert, if he just would have had Kingsbury in that tech offense in that Texas, and you could probably could have streamlined the production and had a championship offense. System. No, exactly. He was running That's my he point. He would have had Marquise Goodwin and all this talent there, and we had it, and it was in our own backyard, but oh, old man. football minds did not understand what they were seeing, okay. and it's nothing against anybody. You're learned behavior. You know what you know, and during that decade,
decade, something had spawned that revolutionized football, and it spawned in our own backyard, and you had the best it high was, school program to ever have it. And it, Mike, Mike, a decade later, was, you Mike Leach Baker. was doing it at Tech, and we were laughing at him. Yeah. Everybody was scoffing at him. Oh, they yeah. thought it was gimmick. gimmick football. Well, no, that's and a good old boy network, and they did it. And spread and literally, Dude, it's like religion, and, then, and, and they did not want to let the new thoughts in, and they were going to banish all the others to hell, and they didn't want it. No, Matt got too impressed watching Nick Saban dominate them in the fourth quarter. Football power power running game, and he thought, "Hey, Texas can do that because that can, isn't Texas unstoppable. can do that, and that but still is unstoppable." But they should do that was a different discussion, and Max exactly. never entertained whether they should, should do it. He just thought, "Oh, we could do it. Yeah, you could, but you should." Yeah, you'd <laughs> and, be and, and reinforcing. Texas, and he, the he leech didn't realize how long it would take the program to try to go in that direction. He assumed you could just pivot course, and you cannot just pivot course, no. man. There was a there's a, there a generation you can't of just turn classes. it and change yeah, what type you, of player that, you are. Yeah, that you have to change, and he didn't realize that. And now we got Max, Cody Johnson. That was a fatal flaw. It was almost I don't know if it was arrogance. I don't know if it was. I don't know what it was. Like, well, I, mean, yeah, I mean, well, hold on. Hold the on, revolution of the spread. Well, like, on. he's been coaching college, and he's seen a few things there, but to understand no, the future vision, so hold, hold it's I, hard to do that. Can I can I just retell the story real quick that was told to me by a member of that coaching staff? Do it. Um, when they got back from Pasadena, they had a big staff meeting where they were talking about recruiting, and they were going to get ready to host guys for the 2011 yeah. uh, junior days for the 2011 recruiting class, and the quarterback decision was a big one that they were making at the time. And the big philosophical split was from, and somebody can knock this down or whatever, but this is what I was told by somebody who was in the room. Uh, Greg Davis and Mac McCorder were on one side of the argument. Major Applewhite and Will Muschamp were on the other side. Yeah. Major Applewhite and Will Muschamp said, no, there's nothing wrong with what we're doing on offense. Yeah. Let's go recruit J.W. Walsh, who's probably the best spread quarterback in the state that we can get, uh, and keep running it like we did with Colt because there was a thought by both those guys. J.W. Walsh was never healthy enough at Oklahoma State for this theory to be proven. They thought J.W. Walsh was Colt McCoy with an NFL arm. Mm. Let's recruit him. Just keep doing what we're doing. Keep going spread. It's fine. Mac McCorder and Greg Davis say, no, we need to get back to high formation, running downhill, this physical power running team. This is what we need to be to take the next step. And they won the argument, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well no, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, remember that. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I, don't, to I me, mean, I don't want it to make, I, no, I don't right. want it to sound that simple. Maybe it was more nuanced than that. Yeah. But that's the gist. No, it was a fork in the road for Texas football, and we picked the road less traveled. Yes. And it was not the right decision. Right. And we paid mm-hmm. the price for it for like four or five years. And a decade later, no, the NFL's playing but, that style of football. Yeah, we, the, and that's uh, we, the whole point was Mac then couldn't see the force for the trees. Exactly. He was, he was too was, enveloped exactly. by it. It was he couldn't he didn't have the vision. Now that he's outside of it on the outside looking in, he's like, Oh, oh damn. man, how did I not see that? that yeah. I should just I should just I should, uh, now he's talking to Cliff Kingsbury. Road. Now he's calling Cliff Kingsbury. Ask Cliff Kingsbury who I should hire. Yeah. Well, he hired now Phil he Longo. He's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Phil Longo doesn't even run plays. No, yeah, he's an old Miss guy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, so now you got him going full circle, wouldn't acknowledge that Mike Leach was a revolutionary offensive mind in his own backyard, would laugh at body, call it gimmicky football. Now this Mac Brown's calling Cliff Kingsbury saying, hey, who should I hire, man, for my OC? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. At least, hey, that, that, that's that, it. That's, that's evolving. Growth. That's growth yes. by Mac, though. That's why Mac at North Carolina is going to be successful because he grew. He's not the same Mac that he was here. No. Yeah, he's bringing Texas out to the East Coast. He's going to run all over those ACC exactly teams. Right. And, and having Tim Brewster as your you know recruit coordinator doesn't hurt either. Hell yeah, hell, ask the Aggies. It helps. Yeah. They miss Brew already. I can't, I, when <laughs> I saw that, I was like, that's so awesome. You he can left say them. what you want about Tim Brewster, damn it. That dude can recruit. You ain't got to like him. He's kind of like James Harden. You ain't got to like him, but he's effective as hell. Yes. You, you of all people in this room, you of all people in this room know better than anybody. But I beat you. You of all people know better than anybody, right? I know. I saw him flip Chris Sims from Tennessee at the time, and that was amazing. The whole country did, was like, what? And he kept saying at the time, he's like, don't worry, we got him, Rob B. We, Rob B. We got him, baby. I was like, he, Brew. he said, he's committed to this. He's like, oh, man, that's all a charade. <laughs> that's all a charade, brother. <laughs> and I awesome. know, Tim Brewster, God, I love if that you dude. Need, if you, look, if you don't want to know anything else about God, Tim Brewster's recruiting credentials, if somebody said, why is Tim Brewster such a recruiter, such a great recruiter? He got VY. He got VY. He got VY and, and Chris Sims, Sims, who are arguably the two Swing biggest can, recruits that. That's yeah. where you can yeah. just stop it and start it right there. Got VY. And he End got yeah, Chris Sims. I, I'm with you. I think, he, I think he is the best recruiter in the country. I'm uh, and I still believe that. Though. Right. But, uh, you know, getting back to the topic at hand of, of the draft, Rod, when we talk about, you know, the offense and where it's going, to me, that's really when you look at what separates Texas. Because Texas 
under under Mac Brown, under Tom Herman, under Charlie Strong, whoever, Texas has not had a problem recruiting, developing, and producing NFL guys on defense. No. The problem, as we said, has been on offense. Yep. And if you want to look at the other side of the spectrum, now you, got the guy you go look at Oklahoma's offense this year. Your quarterback is the number one overall pick. Yeah. Four of your offensive linemen are drafted. The other one is still in school because he wasn't draft eligible Did this year. Did they have like eight players drafted or something like that? Uh, their, their team that played Alabama in the national semifinals, that offense is going to have all five offensive linemen drafted whenever Creed Humphrey decides they to go play. The Rodney Anderson got drafted. Rodney Anderson got drafted. Hollywood Brown Hollywood got drafted. Hollywood Brown got drafted. All of their all of their draft picks, I think it was eight of no them, all doing. on offense. That's crazy. Yeah. And he's gonna come back next year and still have a good offense. But that just shows you that just proves your point. But that proves your point. That proves your point about this league. The Big Twelve is different until further notice. Oklahoma's defense was garbage. Garbage. It was awful. But when you've got by far the best offense in the country. It, there were hell. Okay, you're gonna score 55 points. Great, we'll score 60. We're gonna score win. every time. Like if you can score every time, how's a team gonna beat you? In theory, they yeah. can't. They can only match you, and that's where you're at. And then you steal those possessions. But that, that's that is the challenge. If you want to know where Tom Herman's got to take this thing, that is the challenge for him. I agree. Is to recruit, develop, and produce guys that perform at a high level on offense. He's already and, starting. He's already starting with that. Yes, and and when we talk about offensive systems and schemes and what Texas was doing was was outdated and. We talk about the offensive identity crisis, Rod, and as you mentioned, it's getting it's gotten fixed. And we've talked about it on the show how it's in the process of getting fixed. And last year was a big step in that direction. The pro spread is kind of the best of both worlds if yes, you think is. about it, because yes, it it's a system that's going to, as Urban Meyer has proven with this, the the framework of the same offense, it's going to get guys ready for the NFL. But at the same time, if you find yourself in a shootout. Within Oklahoma or yep. an Oklahoma State or a West Virginia, it. you can adapt it. Yeah, very easily. You can go look like an air raid team and go score 45, 50 points. Totally agree. Yeah, I know I agree, and I think it, the offensive linemen that are now starting. We got three offensive linemen that either got a training camp. They got themselves a training camp tryout. Well, three guys year. on rookie camp invites. Calvin Anderson, I think at the that's, very I, what you said about Chris Boyd. That's how I feel about Calvin Anderson. I think Calvin Anderson for the Patriots. I think he'll be a guy. Squad because Bella, Bella. I go back to something yeah. that. Back to when I saw that football life on Bill Belichick when he was fishing, or maybe it was the Jimmy Johnson football life, I don't remember. But they were fishing in the Keys, and mm. they were talking about kind of what they like. Because a lot of their philosophy on, on personnel is very, very similar. similar. A lot of it intertwines. Yeah. And I remember Jimmy Johnson thinking, I, I, I was never going to draft dumb players. Yeah, I don't guy. want dumb players. I yeah. want smart players. Yeah. Belichick's the same way. He is the Cal- same way. Calvin Anderson yeah. with the math- freaking mathematics degree from Rice and as intelligent as he is. And, yeah, and, 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 a, too. and a freaking yeah. 50 game starter at the college level at left tackle. I think that's a guy that, at the very least, they'll stash him away on a practice squad. And hell, right, he could be a guy that when you get down to final cuts, maybe he's a guy that says, you know what, we can't afford to put him on a practice more, squad. More, we got to put him on a 53 to, to keep him. For more importantly, even if he's not even there for a while, Dante Scarnecchia, I believe is his name, right? He's Scarnecchia, the offensive yeah. line coach. Yeah. He's the best offensive line coach in the league. Even if you're only with him for one offseason, you know, ask guys like Cliff Kingsbury what it means to just be with the Patriots for one year and how it can yeah. change your football life. Right. So, so let's go real quick in the time we got left. Matt, how much time we got left? A couple minutes? Okay. Matt's giving me the I don't know how much time we got. <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, we got to wrap up here. Yeah. So, sure. Rod, as we talk about these undrafted free agents, Calvin Anderson, Andrew Beck, Chris Nelson, P.J. Locke, uh, Breck and Hager, I believe those are the five guys that were on, uh, like, legitimate free agent deals, right? Yeah. Um, which of those guys you get the best chance to make a roster? Um, or a little Jordan Humphrey, I forgot. I'm sorry. And Gary Johnson. And Gary Johnson. I'll take so. Gary Johnson and PJ Locke right now. Those okay. are my two top guys. Uh, but I love I love little Jordan Humphrey situation. Do I love it? And I love Calvin Anderson situation. I see. I I really like Chris Nelson situation. That's good. Because mm, because yeah. if you're gonna be look, if you're going to a team that is a three four team, we know what the Steelers are defensively. Yeah. And Chris Nelson knows how to play over the ball in an odd front, knows it's a thankless job. Uh, I I think he's got a chance to make that roster. Yeah, I agree with that. He's got a shot. It's a good place to be, though, learn culture of football. Still. All those guys, man. I mean, yeah. Lil Jordan Humphrey with the Saints, Locke and Nelson with the Steelers, Beck and Anderson with the Patriots, got Gary Johnson with the Chiefs and Andy Reid and how forward-thinking they are as an organization. I know they're trying to retool that thing mm-hmm. on defense right now, which makes me think – He's got a shot anytime you bring in a new coordinator and you've got, you know, 
coaching changes and you know philosophical changes. Uh, if you're a new guy coming up with this new wave of players, maybe you've got a really good chance to make the roster that you otherwise wouldn't have had. So, you know, at the end of the day, look, the the surge is going to come. I, Rod, I don't know if I mentioned this to you or if Matt and I, Matt, you and I were talking about it before the break, uh, before we started recruiting, before the break, before we started recruit, before we started recording. If I can talk right today, good lord. Uh, Tom Herman is tied with, as weird as it sounds, Charlie Strong and Fred Akers for Texas coaches since Daryl Roy was hired for the most draft picks produced through their first two years. The difference is with Fred Akers, you knew there was talent there still. He was recruiting talent, and there was still more to come. With Charlie Strong, we could clearly see after that first year, it was on a downward trend, and you know the hope was he would pull the nose up. just never did. But I think with Tom Herman now, like Fred Akers, you can see, okay, this thing is on an upward trend. You're just recruiting too much talent. And to tie all these conversations together, you're recruiting talent, but with the pro spread and with Todd Orlando's defense, you have brought in talent to play in systems where guys know the specific roles they're going to have. You have targeted talented guys to fit specific roles on this team. It's not just collecting talent and we'll hope everything sorts itself out. You recruited. It's Tom Herman's proactive approach to building a roster. That's that is the fundamental difference between him and Charlie Strong. You're recruiting guys. You're bringing the guys, but you know exactly how you're going to use them, how you want to use them, and kind of what path you see those guys going down. That's okay. good. Well, I guess that's as good a way as any to uh, end it on. I didn't think I was going to get the party shot, but what the hell? Some weeks it just works <laughs> out. Uh, works out like that. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, best damn videographer in the podcast game for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. You can find this podcast on Megaphone on the drop-down menu at horns247.com. Anywhere you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Remember, leave us a review, rate us, do all that fun stuff. Thank you guys so much for your support. And thanks to Matt. You can get our classic interviews, all of our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.